Hello, I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Welcome to the True Alignment Podcast. Uh, we're broadcasting from the Innovation Center in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we invite you and welcome you um, to check us out on our website, truealignment.com. And that's the opportunity to put in questions and comments that we'll address in this and future podcasts. Always welcome. Always welcome. So, Edgar, we were just having a little bit of a conversation before we got on here about the order of some of the um, topics we've been discussing. Mm-hmm. And if you're a listener at home, it might seem it might seem perhaps in a in not the right order for us to have done a podcast on success and fulfillment at the end of the year, and then talk about exhaustion in now in the beginning of this year, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, we think it's important as we come here into January 3rd to talk about exhaustion now because many of you, us included, will have made some kind of New Year's resolution, which is about a brand new start. And and we chose to talk about exhaustion here because um, there's some things to deal with before those possibilities can be realized. Yeah, very much so. And there's so much to think about in terms of it's much like at times you go on a vacation, you come back from the vacation wishing you had some time off to recover from the vacation. And I think there is this idea that, you know, as, as we go through the holidays, and I, and I think this has to do also emotionally with the idea that uh, through the holidays, we, we actually, we I, I would suggest we, we have a burn rate uh, emotionally that takes an, an overall holistic effect on us in our lives. And so we're in this really particularly interesting time as we are still uh, dealing with the pandemic and not knowing what's around the corner. Uh, certainly from everything that we're, we're seeing, all the predictions about where we would be have pretty much gone out the window again. And so we're looking at this through the lens of being worn down in a way, looking forward to the holidays for some downtime, yet carrying the stress of the pandemic and all its variables with us, and then trying to look ahead to the new year. And what kind of resolutions can we be making or what kind of promises do we make to ourselves and the people around us on what life is going to look like going forward? And, and then weighing that against the, our own capability, our capacity, because so many of us are, and I, I think that goes for, uh, for, for just about everybody's feeling a bit tired and looking at the new year and not sure there's always that idea of promise and excitement that goes, that goes with it. Well, as you mentioned, COVID in this um, topic of exhaustion we'll talk about today, mm-hmm. um, you know, you always talk in the in the true alignment framework about the experience, um, so many different kinds of experience. But you, can you talk a little bit about that experience leading into kind of uh, the stress and anxieties? Yeah, I, I think that um, in particular when we think about what really causes exhaustion, certainly there's a physical aspect of it. The thing I think that takes the greatest toll on us are the fears and anxieties uh, that we are constantly dealing with. And 
we have been now for a longer period of time than most of us can probably recollect or imagine. And so we see that there's different outcomes to that exhaustion. There's different impacts and influences. So the effect on our relationships, the societal impact that we're, that we're working through in terms of looking, trying to look ahead to a, a new year and still dealing with the effects of, of the last couple of years. And, there's, and I think there is, at the end of the day, an impact on us and an influence both at an individual and collective level that we need to be paying attention to that shows up in, in our families and that uh, shows up in our work environments and the people that um, in our communities. And I think this may be an opportune time to really start thinking about it, not from the standpoint of, you know, what are my New Year's resolutions, but rather really taking an inventory and looking at it through through the lens of what is my what does my life look like and how can I design um, a life for myself and move in that direction in the coming year. So rather than think about just the resolutions that I want to carry, you know, make and carry forward, rather look at it at a, at a, at a much more holistic level and a very truthful level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speak a little bit to this. Uh this idea of, of truth. So uh, you're exploring those conditions um, that exhaust us all. And, and can you speak a little bit to, you know, your experience? You know, and here's, here's a good opportunity. I mean, you know, we're, this has a little bit of a personal tone to it, this conversation so far. But you, you've worked with all of these business leaders and you get to watch them outline kind of the conditions of their experience that have led them to where they are. Um, Talk a little bit about the truth in identifying those conditions. Uh, That's a really powerful question. Thank you. Um, Very often I think that really at the end of the day what leadership is about, um, I spend a lot of time talking to people about their conflicts as leaders and their ability to confront conflict. And um, when things are out of alignment. So the premise here is that every misalignment you have in your relationships, regardless of what part of your life those relationships exist, um, those misalignments wind up as conflict. And so what is the role of the leader, really, is to uh, confront conflict. Most leaders are afraid of doing that. They're afraid of confronting. And the number one reason, and we know this uh, from from collecting data from leaders, the number one reason that they avoid conflict is the fear of failure because they believe they need to be able to have a solution and always show up with a solution. And I think that a main aspect of that that leaders need to be able to grab onto is the idea that they don't need to have a solution. Just like many of us in life don't need to have a solution or immediate answer to the problem. What we need to do is be able to pursue the truth in confronting the problem, confronting the conflict. So the first step really is to be truthful that a conflict or problem exists. And so that pursuit of the truth begins with that simple idea. I don't have to be afraid of it because I don't have a solution or a response at hand. What I need to be able to do is to confront the truth, to face to the truth. And so a lot of what leadership is about is this life lesson that we have to be able to uh, face reality in a way and confront what's really going on and to see our lives through that lens. 
because if we're constantly living with the fear, so my definition that I'd like to use for freedom is the moments we exist without fear. And so we have to be able to confront those fears. And unless we're able to confront them, we really can't manage them or deal with them effectively. So it begins with that. And the moment that we express the fear, the moment that we confront that truth, that's the moment where we can begin to move forward, solving the problem, building better relationships, understanding where the misalignments in our lives are, um, really looking at ourselves in the mirror at the end of the day is looking into our own eyes and discovering our own truth. I think that's what that whole idea is about. The look at, you know, when, when somebody says, look, look at yourself in the mirror, what they're really doing is asking us to look into our own eyes to find our own truths. And carrying the fear can be exhausting. Yeah. You know, we talked, Edgar, yesterday as we were planning for this a little bit about some other outcomes of those fears and anxieties and how they, how they are borne out and, we talked a little bit about <clears throat> that sense of conflict that you mentioned. Um, you know, we also talked about uh, effect on relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's self and others. Um, you know, one big thing we talked about too was this kind of societal impact. And so really the physiological response from exhaustion um, is this fight or flight, right? I mean, either you um, desire to kind of walk away, get away, or you, right, this is my, this is my teenage children. <laughs> so when they spend too much time with us, they need alone time in their bedrooms. Oh, yeah. And the same thing happens to people at work. Totally. That's, that's one of the advantages of working from at home. You can go and you can actually go to your own bedroom. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that we're watching now is, you know, especially here in the, in the United States where societally we're um, collectively exhausted from, from the pandemic, from the economic impacts um, from the, the, the changing rules uh, in, in oversights is that we kind of have a, you know, we have a conflict-born social fabric going on right now. I, yeah, we do. And um, I would like to suggest to you that that's also part of the conversation. And I think it's a really powerful and valuable conversation to be having about our collective mental health. Um, as we see, more and more people are, are looking for help, looking for assistance around their own mental health, which has a lot to do with joy and happiness and how content they are with what they have in their lives. And a lot of that comes into question, especially in that fight or flight. I think it's one of the reasons that we, I think, are, get, can get so easily polarized right now is that our tendency uh, very often in fear is to engage in the fight. And it makes it so much easier to just pick a side than it is to problem solve. Let's just pick a side. Let's play the game of win or lose. Um, and we put all our, all our and, and that game of win or lose can be exhausting, uh, especially if deep down inside we know and realize that we're not solving the problems that we need to solve. When deep down inside, we know we're not changing our own behavior and having an effect on the whole. So individually and collectively, we can see that happening. Yeah, it's interesting you present it that way. Uh, you know, in, in the Jesuit world, we have these um, two phrases of consolation and desolation. I know you and I have talked about these. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way that I learned about them, the way that those constructs were presented to me is um, 
you know, consolation is that which brings you closer to kind of uh, wholeness, oneness, um, a deep understanding of self. And, and, an look, and looking for alignment. Yes, yeah. looking for alignment, your answer to why. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's converse, desolation is that which brings you further from, from alignment. And so um, the neatest thing about a conversation about consolation and desolation, however, or we could even call it uh, toward alignment and away from alignment, is the, the feedback that you get when you make a choice that is desolating or consoling, um, it kind of doubles down. So you mentioned this idea that, you know, this pick a side, mm-hmm. choose, and then it gets more exhausting, right? That's, that's the doubling. So you've, you've made a choice to get rid of the exhaustion, picking a, you know, if or then, so choosing a side, and then it adds to the exhaustion once you've picked. That's how you know it's a, it's, it's a, it's a desolating thing. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because at first you can, you can feel energized by picking a side. At first you can feel energized, much like a, a resolution that you make, right? Uh, at New Year's and you say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to choose this. And at first you, know, you have a tremendous amount of energy. I think it's important to realize as you're making those kinds of choices, what the, what the consequences may be. And to have an awareness of, am I just picking a battle here? Or at times, am I, am I really picking a battle with myself? Or am I looking to really solve a problem? Am I looking to really discover and find myself and find alignment in myself as I choose my path? And that, I think, in most cases, has much less of the, um, the energy of, of finding myself in a, in a conflictual or, or fighting position as a you know, and, and of course, the other thing to do is run away from it. You know, the flight piece, as you mentioned, I think the ability to confront and really face to the truth becomes becomes the the key to uh, to get at it early and and to not find myself down the you know, down down the road and find myself in a position where I'm breaking relationships or uh, looking at myself and with levels of dissatisfaction. Yeah, and it's really. It's a good point you're making about that, that dichotomy of that stretch that we find ourselves in. Well, one of the earlier podcasts we talked about, um, we talked about the the duration. We were, we were when we were talking about change. Yeah, we we were talking about um, a change that happens over a longer duration with more consistent review is yeah. more likely to be a successful change. Um, so you, it's not enough to merely name it at the beginning. And we see this a lot with resolutions, right? We, we name an outcome that's not here with us now that we want later. And then we often fail to do the, to realize it's going to take a longer duration and to realize true, you know, true change is going to take a long duration and it's going to take a pretty consistent review. Yeah. It does. And for that reason, then we start looking at our relationships differently. We start finding the collaborative component, the cooperative elements in the relationships with those around us, especially in those that are very intimate, uh, where we can really be vulnerable and ask someone else 
to engage in, in a deeper understanding of our own truths and uh, the impact on those relationships. And I think that's a really valuable piece. One of the things that we uh, we look at, and we this is also the first piece of work that we do in the uh, Learning to Lead program in, in our exec ed program here at, at, at the Anderson College. One of the things that's so powerful is that we begin with this idea of life design. We take a look at who we are, in this case, leaders. And I think this applies to anyone that wants to, wants to really do this work. And that is we ask them to deconstruct and look at the different aspects of their life. And this is something that I think bodes well to if you're thinking about New Year's resolutions and the goals, objectives, and where you want to be by the end of the year and what you want to get accomplished. Because so much of our societal effect is you got to have goals, you got to have accomplishment, you got to, you know, again, we talked about this definition of success versus fulfillment and creating that alignment. And so what we ask uh, the participants in the program to do is begin with taking an inventory of their lives. And then this in design, of course, is this idea of deconstruct and reconstruct. So take a look at life and deconstruct the different pieces. So there's the obvious elements, right? My financial well-being, my health. What does my work look like? Then we get into the deeper meaning of relationships and the deeper meaning of relationship to self through what is my creativity, what is my art, what is my exploration around learning. And in a way, it's taking all those different pieces and starting with an inventory and then begin to really take a look at what do I really want in my life based on what I want from my life my own sense of being what does that look like and then the simple idea here which is so powerful is using that inventory what are what do i want to be doing less of or what do i need to stop doing to make room for starting something new or doing more of what i really value and what is aligned to me where do i want to spend time in my relationships now this idea of the third element that the two most precious things in our lives are love and time and the third element is alignment. And what are the choices that I make so that as I, as I look at my life, I'm living love to the fullest in the time that I have and paying attention to the most meaningful relationships in my life. And beginning with that idea and that, that, that construct is how do I set the priorities, which then lend themselves or it really allows me to better understand through those priorities the choices that I have. And then we're back to the power of choice that we've talked about. So this idea of life design and who are you, we know that awareness is the key to success. It's the holy grail of leadership is a self-awareness. And this begins our participants, you know, go begin on the path to who really am I? Who do I want to be? And how do I show up? And what are the different aspects of my life? And how do I use those different elements to really, yeah, to get fulfillment. Yeah, I can define success through this process as well. What do my outcomes look like? At the end of the day, it's that alignment of success to fulfillment that this process allows us to engage in. We're often presented that one's exploration of self is a is largely a solo event. <laughs> but you know, I've gotten to witness. I've gotten to witness your work. Um, you know, with with business leaders, and, and and recognize the power of having conversations with others. So, you know, part of your work is 
triangulation of, of context so that you can help each of the leaders, sometimes the multiple leaders within a given organization, um, to, to kind of do that self-exploration, but it's through conversations that you engage in with them. It's through conversations you engage with those around them and the encouragement of those to have conversations with others around them as well. So to talk a little bit about the role of, of conversation with others in defining self. Well, that's a very, again, you, you've got some pretty powerful inquiries here. Um, and I think it begins that the conversation always uh, begins with what is my intention? What is my intention uh, to the relationship? And which then guides what my intention is for the conversation. Uh, and if I want to, uh, or I ask you to, um, to provide feedback or to have a, a degree of uh, shared intimacy in a relationship, whatever it happens to be, I need to be able to bring that into the conversation and begin with that. So to have a clear intention. And the other piece of the equation is inquiry, uh, to be able to ask great questions and to ask people uh, questions about their experience of who I am. And I think that's key. And so when you talk about teams and groups and the work that we get to do with leaders, because I've seen you do the same kind of work with, with great uh, success as well as influence, um, I really do think it's, it's recognizing that we have to be able to ask one another um, some really important questions, and we have to be open to the answers that we may get. Um, and yeah, it, it simply begins with what's working in the relationship and what's not. And, and how do we understand how we can work collaboratively, cooperatively together to get the outcomes we're looking for? And I think the, the main piece of the conversation, so when you think about intention plus inquiry equals the conversation, I think be able to, to enter a conversation with that mindset becomes so, so important. You can't expect someone to share with you what their truth is, what they think, see, and feel about their experience of, of a relationship unless you specifically ask for that until you, until you invite the other person into the conversation with that in mind. Yeah, so powerful, Edgar. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase of the expert blind spot. Much like, uh, like a Jahara's window kind yeah. of approach, yeah. So, you know, there was this wonderful book on how people learn and, you know, part of that was how difficult it was for an actual chess master to teach beginning chess to someone um, because they couldn't identify, they couldn't identify why they were thinking so many steps ahead. Um, you know, I experienced this in my personal life as you're teaching your children how to drive a car and, you know, and, you know, you do a lot of things at once and being able to kind of break it down and see in slow motion what you actually do and how you do it and why you make those decisions and explain it to another human is really difficult. But, I, you know, I, could, I sure could have used you this morning because as I was <laughs> uh, walking, you know, these reminders, and I, they're always good. Um, it doesn't matter where you are in your own personal journey around exhaustion. Um, this idea of... of knowing that intention and being able to engage in relationship with other people. I bring up the expert blind spot because I could have used you this morning when I was walking the dog with my wife 
and and she had asked me she had asked me to help her think through something and i let too many of my own assumptions get in the way of us having a conversation and when we left each other this morning we're really kind of pissed off at one another frankly um because we realized that uh we made too many assumptions that got in the way of our intentions being met in the in the conversation so you know it's so tiring because you know this is this is what you do to me and this is what i do to you and um but it really was about those that idea that we we chose to be expert in the relationship instead of exploring in the relationship to meet the intention yeah A couple of thoughts come to mind as I'm listening to you <laughs> tell that story. And the first one is the importance of um, being clear about here's what I'd like for the relationship and being able to articulate that, to bring that into the conversation, especially when there's conflict. Uh, and what we're really dealing with with the conflict, again, is a fear. And fear can weigh us down. It takes a lot of energy. It does. And um, moving to the truth is a way of moving through the fear. But it begins with really establishing, um, you know, the foundation for the conversation, which always comes back to the relationship. And the simplicity of telling someone that you love them. Right? And the simplicity of saying, look, here's what I'd like this to look like. Let's start with that. Because so often what we do is we make assumptions, we blame, and then we may get angry. And we have to always remember that anger is a, you know, that's that's us playing out our fear. That's us behaving through this lens of, you know, what I can't get and the gap between what I'm getting and what I want. And the fear of not getting there is what anger is about. And anger can elevate. Anger can also eventually lead to depression and melancholy. But certainly we can escalate that anger. So I think it's important to be able to, to, to recognize that and to see it through that lens and come into it with the sense of inquiry. One of my favorite stories of all time and the reason that curiosity becomes so important to us is curiosity allows us to begin to question not just others and the world around us, also our, our own assumptions, our own views on, on the world. So one of my favorite stories is, is Einstein. <laughs> the, the night before he, the, as the story goes, the night before he got the... Uh, Nobel Prize for Physics, a group of journalists had him kind of cornered at a reception. And one of them looked at him in, in, a, in a way, I think, in a critical way, said, you know, why you? How did you come up with this? You know, this little guy with the frizzy hair and the odd-looking, you know, demeanor. And, and so why you? How did you come up with this, you know, equals MC squared thing? And Einstein just thought, paused for a moment and then smiled at him and said, I guess I'm just curious. And I think that the idea of curiosity in conversational context is key to success, that we're constantly thinking through the lens of curiosity, so we want to inquire. And if, if anything, taking yourself off that idea of, I need to be an expert, says I, the only way I'm ever going to get expertise is by being curious, and the only way to be curious is to ask, to ask questions and fundamentally engage in conversation through that lens. Because trying to protect my my expertise, boy, that can be tiring. Yeah. And that can lead to, to all different forms of exhaustion as well. Because we're trying to manage the fear. 
I would posit to you that this is the, this is business exhaustion too, right? Is the minute, Very much so. The minute that you as a business start stating this is what you need as a customer instead of inquiring, um, yeah. now you become a sales business and, and, you, and it becomes really tiring to try and push your product or service. Yeah. True. And then that idea of how we use it with customers and how we use it with one another in organizations, simply you know, dropping all the, all the barriers and, and uh, the ways that we think about what, what we think is right versus trying to inquire what is and being able to do that. And that's the, that's the idea of contextual inquiry. Notice again, it's inquiry. It's about curiosity. It's about hearing your story to understand your point of view. To listen with empathy. These are all, you know, if you want to call them how-tos, these are all different things that we can do to actually manage exhaustion. We may not realize it because we're always on this treadmill of trying to get success that if we take pause and we recognize that in each and every conversation, each and every relationship, we have this opportunity to manage them at, at a level that we're overcoming those anxieties and fears that can be so exhausting to carry with us day in and day out. So, Edgar, I know we're, we're going to hit um, time here pretty quick, and so I, I, I'll apologize in advance for dropping a little bit of a deep question, but it seems to me in part of this conversation that some of the fears might be born out of if we inquire to others to find out about ourselves, that how we view ourselves might not match how we are viewed by others. And, mm -hmm. and is that, is a lack of alignment there really at the heart of our exhaustion? Say more about how you're thinking about that, if you would. So, you know, I think this sense of self, this sense of self, um, and then the advice and, you know, I, business setting, personal setting, to go and inquire to others um, and, and really hear that. I mean, and that's the, um, so Jim, you asked for the, the poor movie moment of the day. So here it comes, white man can't jump. Leslie Snipes, Woody Harrelson. And I, I have to think about how this phrase goes, but um, you know, when Woody Harrelson says that he loves uh, Jimi Hendrix and, and uh, you know, Wesley Snipes calls him out that he can, he can listen to Jimi Hendrix, but he can't hear Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> you know, I think this, this construct of uh, inquiry to others has to come with an openness to not only be able to listen, but also to be able to deeply hear without the idea of refusing the hearing because it doesn't match your own personal sense of self. Uh, that's... Uh... <laughs> Okay, so here, here's, a, here's a way of coming. I, I, and I've been having this conversation a lot, and particularly with leaders um, that are looking for feedback, and that the main barrier to the, really the use of the feedback is themselves. And um, we have this ongoing conversation in our world, especially in business, about vulnerability. And uh, vulnerability, as far as I can tell, the... the um, the, the core of the topic seems to evolve around the idea of how vulnerable can I be to share what I think, see, and feel and move past my own fear in doing so. 
my fear of being ostracized or being ignored, my fear of being wrong uh, and shamed for being wrong, uh, for being rejected for who I am. And so we focus a lot on vulnerability in the active sense of that I'm speaking my truth, my honesty. And how can I do that and do that in transparent, intimate, authentic ways? These are all the words that we're using. And I think what you've just hit on is the other side of vulnerability that we, I believe, do not spend enough time talking about. And that is, do I listen with vulnerability? How aware and, and how do I become conscious of my own fears and my own resistance to hearing someone else or hearing you? And I think that's, that's one of the keys to really understanding and using vulnerability at its, at its uh, most powerful level, which is vulnerability is as much, even more so perhaps, how we listen to others with openness uh, as opposed to how we speak with openness. And I think that as we challenge ourselves to do both, I think that's where alignment really, really occurs. Am I truly aligned in my vulnerability, not in just speaking what I think, see, and feel, but really listening to others and being able to be conscious of my triggers, my, my internal fears that get in the way of doing that? I think that's the real work. And very often that's the real work of leaders that I can see being their, being their greatest challenge. Reminds me a little bit of a Escher diagram of, uh, you know, the two people can see the same thing differently. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, whether it's a, a young woman with a feather in her cap or an old woman. Yeah. With a mole on her nose or whatever it is, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Very much so. Well, and, and uh, you know, in the true alignment space, you, you offer so many resources for these kinds of conversations around exhaustion, right? Not only the 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 one-on-one leadership development or executive education and the leading learn uh, learning to lead conversation but also you know the individual coaching which is a component of our executive education um, and then programs to help organizationally um, some of these things happen mm-hmm. um, yeah again it comes it starts with the conversation who do we want to be what we want our relationships to look like individually and collectively yeah, very much so. Um, I'll I'll end us with a little bit of a, a comment here. You know, we were having a conversation about uh, an organization you're you're working with, and you talked about it being about the leaders' relationships. Mm-hmm. Was was the key um, to whether or not that organization was gonna gonna grow, um, going to be successful. And I see, um, I've seen in your work a whole lot that even though you're there for a business conversation, (laughs) the alignment conversation is so intimately personal. And, And I think that's the aha moment for many of the leaders that you work with is that the continuous personal alignment conversation is necessary for the business. Yeah, that becomes that's the center. That's you know when we think about alignment and you have a, uh, a nucleus or a core from which it all um, permeates or is expressed from. I agree with you. Yeah, 
Well, thanks for some of the how-tos today on how to deal with exhaustion, right? I mean, these kind of finding oneself, having conversations. Yeah, it's interesting because we can set a lot of goals about going to the gym, losing weight, and then everything else that we think about at the end of the day, what are what really is at the core of our own alignment and our own satisfaction and fulfillment is is guided by the relationships. I mean, even even making time to get to the gym, you probably have to manage a relationship or a set of relationships somehow to, to make that happen, right? Indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for the great questions and for the conversation, as always. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And, uh, yeah, just to remind everyone, please visit the website, our website at truealignment.com. As always, all questions, comments, thoughts, anything at all, please share. And uh, once again, we'll do our best to share those on the air. And, uh, yeah, please, if you would, also uh, keep on the lookout for our, our live podcasts and our inter interactive sessions that we'll be having and some guests that we'll be bringing aboard. So with any of our, any of our podcasts uh, on the website, there's going to be a series of notes that accompany, so you can see kind of an outline of what we've discussed. And in there, we're going to have some links to some surveys. And this is an opportunity, these surveys, filling them out, it's an opportunity not only to influence kind of the content that comes up in future podcasts, but it's also an opportunity to um, discover alignment. So um, find a survey this week on the podcast for designing for alignment. Uh, yeah. Alignment by design. Alignment by design. Definitely. All right. I'm Thank Ken you. Sagendorf. I'm Edgar Papke. Live aligned. Thank you.